Welcome, everybody, to the Joe Random Sports Podcast. The famous name from MLB The Show Career Mode started a group of fantasy leagues years ago. And today, we gather with longtime Joe Random, Stephen Thayer, and Matt Ramirez to talk all things sports with other Joe Randoms. Welcome to our special edition of the Joe Random Sports Podcast, Fantasy with Fish. Our special guest, Fish Fisher, making a return to the podcast. We hope you enjoy. And remember, just keep switching and don't strike out. Welcome, everybody, to the Joe Random Sports Podcast Fantasy Football Edition episode. Wow, I am so excited. Matt Ramirez is not with us today. It is Fish Fisher instead. Fish, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to be here and excited for uh, for this topic. Matt is out actually playing golf right now. and. <laughs> I, I would like to formally announce his hole-in-one to the whole world. Uh, Mr. Ramirez got his first career hole-in-one yesterday on the first hole of the day. 260-yard uh, par four, takes a two-iron, kind of rolls down the hill a little bit into the hole for his first career hole-in-one. Big congratulations to Matt Ramirez, who's pretty much a scratch golfer at this point, which is unreal. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Congrats, Matt. It was also his first ever, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, help me out here. Albatross. The Yeah. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> first ever Albatross, um, as well. So, uh, yeah, that was awesome. Unbelievable. Uh, so, well, he's playing golf, but there was a very strict reason why he also did not want to do this show. And that was because this is a Joe Randoms fantasy podcast and we're all in the fantasy football league and he did not feel comfortable going online and giving his strategies, his preferred picks, all of that, et cetera. Uh, Fish is not in the fantasy football league this year. As of night, as of right now, um, he's in our fantasy basketball league, obviously. So even Fish was hesitant. He's like, I don't want any of my friends in my league to get a hold of this episode and, and reveal my strategies, but we do thank you for hopping on. Uh, obviously for me, I don't think any of you guys really listen to what I have to say anyway. So I feel pretty comfortable <laughs> besides, <laughs> besides I'm, I'm going to be pretty objective with all of this. I, I want it to be palpable, not just for our league, but for any other league that is listening, we're going to talk all sorts of different formats here and uh, try to condense it into a, uh, hopefully something that you guys can get something out of. I, I don't want this to be, super general right this isn't for beginning fantasy players this is for people who know what they're doing uh, but fish uh man you you've been hitting the mock drafts hard lately uh so kind of kind of give us your perspective here because you haven't been playing fantasy football that long but it seems like you have yeah so um uh, first of all, I don't blame Matt, you know, for playing and play it smart, but I'm not happy to be here because I can speak more honestly um, because, you know, I'm not in your guys' league. Um, yeah, so last year was my first year playing fantasy football, actually. I was in a, a public league. It was a good league. It was a serious league. You know, there was no no one just uh, goofing off or anything, but it was still a public league. Um, and I had I had major FOMO <laughs> not being in uh, any of the leagues with my friends. Um and because uh, fantasy football is just a lot of fun. I loved it as a, as a sports junkie and a gambling junkie. All the analytics and everything was, uh, you know, it, it was a lot of fun for me. Um, and so this year I got into a, a, a league um, with a, a decent buy-in. Um, and so I have been just 
inhaling fantasy football content. Um, I, I told Steven, I just had an IV hooked up, you know, that the first thing I do when I wake up is, you know, turn on a, a fantasy football podcast. Um, <laughs> I try, I've tried to do a mock draft every day for the past couple of weeks now. Um, just trying to get, get as much info as I can. So it's been good. Yeah, that's fantastic. The fantasy with fish episode. It's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. Uh, it so is there anywhere you want to start with this? Um, do you, I mean, we have a lineup of questions that we want to get to, but um, do you have anywhere you want to begin? Yeah. I was just wanted to say, it's interesting the way things have kind of worked out. Um, I don't know if you remember like in the, like the early 2000s NBA, how there was a craze around like big threes, like every team had to make a big three and, you know, like the, the Spurs kind of had it with their, you know, Ginobili, Parker, Duncan, and then, of course, the Celtics had their big three and the Heat made their big three. And that was like a big uh, the whole thing. Um, some of the somewhat kind of happened in fantasy football this year. You know, everyone talks about your big three wide receivers and um, Cup, Jefferson, Chase. Everyone's talking about your big three quarterbacks and Mahomes, um, Allen and Herbert. And it's just kind of interesting the way things have kind of broken up into tiers uh, like that. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. Uh, so tiers, it's a lot of, that's how a lot of people break up their rankings and it should, you may, you might find certain players that are top 10 in, in some league, some rankings, but they're top 30 and others. It's still semi early in the fantasy season. We still have two more weeks of preseason games to get through as of this episode. Um, so there are going to be things that change, especially with your mock drafts. I know, uh, to pick out some players you've been saying, you know, Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley are always there in the second round, but that always, that could change if Kareem Hunt's status uh, changes with the Browns, you just never know. Uh, but that's just one example. The first question I'll ask fish is how much do you value projections? Um, there are some people out there that love to look at them. That's how they base their whole draft off of. And there are others that say, don't listen to the projections. I don't care what my, my draft rating was. That's BS. I, I don't like, and then you don't want to get wrapped up in them. So what do you think about the projections? Yeah. So in terms of point projections, I don't really pay attention. Um, you know, every um, ESPN, at least every, uh, um, do you guys use ESPN, the door randoms? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so every, uh, um, you know, player has a little point total next to their name. That's their projection. Uh, I completely ignore that. Um, you know, it, it's to me, it's more about, um, you know, the ADP draft value, which I know you're going to talk about in a minute um, and kind of uh, that type of stuff um, in terms of actual points, you know, whether one guy's projected at 300 points and others projected at 270. Yeah. I don't really pay any attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to be that guy who didn't care about projections. Uh, I was like, ah, how do they know? And I come to realize maybe this, this year that there's a lot of merit to them. And that is because the people that put these projections together crunch so many numbers and there's so many algorithms. They're basing these numbers off of years of data years of gathering. These are what players of this age and this year in this type of system have put together. That's why he's going to catch a thousand yards in passing this year. Um, and so I, I think there is more merit to them 
than in years past. Um, I, I think if you solely went off of projections, more often than not, you probably would have that as your result of the team. Uh, obviously, you can't factor in injuries, but I firmly believe if you took a bunch of players who had bad projections, your team would probably not be very good. If you had a, a team with a lot of good projections, more often than not, uh, I think those guys will shine through. So um, that's my take on projections. So with all of that being said, how much do you look at ADP? Um, in snake drafts, this is a big deal. Uh, you have guys that maybe fall around or fall two rounds out of their slotted position. Uh, if you're in a salary cap, you see their projected dollar value next to their name. And it's pretty easy to tell, all right, if he's going for 35 and that's what it says, he's drafted at value. Oh, he's going for more. I'm going to back off because he's being overvalued. Um, so how much do you look at those things? Yeah. So a lot, I would pay a lot of it to ADP and, 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 uh, project and uh, I don't know what you'd call it in salary cap, but um, you know, projected value or whatever um, is super important to me. Um, I've said this before, but you know, in order to win, uh, you don't have to be good at fantasy football. You just have to be better than your opponents. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, finding, uh, finding those value spots, um, those good picks where it's like, okay, you know, maybe I don't even want this guy in my team even, but you know, there's so much value here. He's going so much later than normal, or he's so much cheaper than kind of his, his comparisons, um, that you can get in those spots where you kind of, you have to take them almost, um, um, because there's too much value in it. Um, so that's the main thing I look at when I'm drafting is how can I find value? How can I find, um, you know, guys slipping through the cracks, um, so to speak. Um, that's my, that's my main priority. I look at that a, a little bit different in snake draft formats, uh, just because for me, if there's a guy dropping, there's a reason he's dropping. Um, and it's only a handful of guys each draft. There's a handful of guys that all 11, 12 guys in the league are just not high on. And to me, there, there's some merit to that. Uh, maybe it's not representative of the entire fantasy football population, but if my entire league doesn't like a player, I'm probably being like, yeah, there's probably something up with him. There's probably a reason for that. And that's why he's dropping. Um, in salary cap formats, it's a lot different. Um, I think people can get really scared to put money on guys. That depends on how much money you have left in your, your cap. Um, I think uh, definitely guys get overvalued for sure. I mean, and especially, you know, your, your top running back going for 70 something dollars, that's in a $200 cap. You're, you are really selling out. You, you're really going to, kind of hamstring the rest of your team. Um, if you draft Christian McCaffrey, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but then, you know, there, there is like, Oh, well, this guy is only going for five, $6. Like I told you the other day, I took a mock draft. I had no intention of drafting George Kittle, but I did because he was only going for five, six bucks. So I was like, I'll take that. Absolutely. Over, over the next tight end, who's gonna? I'm gonna pay three or four dollars for. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take George Kittle. So, uh, I think I look at it more with the value piece and salary cap. But snake draft, it's 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 going to be a little bit different. I know our, our Joe Randoms. Obviously, we're in a salary cap format, but a lot of us have multiple leagues we play in, and they're not all they're not all salary cap. A lot of us are in snake draft systems. Uh, so going from there, we talk about systems. 
Uh, we'll start getting into more specific players here. Good players and bad systems. This is a rule that I implemented for myself. I don't want to take guys in bad systems. Um, that could mean there's a bad quarterback. They have a bad offense. Maybe they have a really bad defense. Um, uh, or is, is it just the, the scheme doesn't fit the player talent? Uh, so we all know there are lots of players with very high talent levels uh, that are in really bad systems. Uh, where do you come down? Is, is there guys exceptions to the rule? And if there are exceptions to the guys, the rule, who are those guys? Because I don't know. There's so many times there's such, I just, I want to take Nick Chubb, but he's going to be in, in a field with Kareem Hunt. And even though I might think he's the most talented running back uh, in the AFC, we'll just, we'll make, we'll exaggerate it. Most talented running back in the AFC, but he's in a bad system. So like, do I still take that, you know, or should just my expectations be tempered? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for the most part, um, it, it depends. For the most part, bad systems don't bother me. Um, I know we disagree on that, but you know, if you know a wide receiver with a bad quarterback, I'll still take that wide receiver running back, bad O-line. I'll still take that right back. Those kind of things don't really bother me. There's a mantra whenever there's huge spreads in gambling, you say they're still professionals, right? You, you want to take a team that's, you know, a 20 point underdog because they're still professionals on that side of the ball. And that's kind of how I feel about bad systems. However, there's a difference, I think, between, you know, bad systems and kind of bad situations like the one you talked about, like, mm -hmm. Okay, you know, maybe the Browns do have a great system, but there's two guys competing. Uh, okay, that's something to consider. Or, you know, um, the the Chiefs have a great system. They have an un unbelievable coach, unbelievable quarterback, great passing game. But, you know, there's a lot of guys fighting for those 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 reps. Maybe that's something you stay away from. So, um, no, bad systems don't really bother me, but, you know, lots of competition, uh, that, that does. Okay, okay, interesting. So let's bring in some specifics here because I think there are maybe only a handful of exceptions to it in, in, in my frame of reference. Um, I do not want to take a wide receiver with a bad quarterback. That might be my hard rule. Um, Allen Robinson is a classic example for the majority of his career. He's had pretty bad quarterbacks and he's turned in some relevant fantasy years. If you look at his numbers, but man, they could be so much better and he's still being drafted or at least in years past, he was being drafted as like a wide receiver, low end one, maybe, maybe mid wide receiver two. Um, and just, if you look at his career arc, he's putting up low wide receiver two numbers average historically. Um, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he's a guy that if he was still on the bears, I would say, forget it. I experienced it last year uh, with Corey Davis just not having a good quarterback with the Jets, even though I think Corey Davis is a super talented receiver, um, barring obviously the health issues. Moving towards running backs, however, um, I think volume is key. Um, I want to ask you about Saquon Barkley and DeAndre Swift, uh, two running backs who are being drafted relatively high. We can, for the purposes of this, say they're probably high-end uh, RB2s or low end RB ones, depending on, on your league and how many teams you have in your league. Deandre Swift lions, not a very good team. Jared Goff, probably bottom third quarterback in the league. There should be some upgrades on that offensive line this year. Um, where, where do you, what do you think about Deandre Swift? 
Um, yeah. So, um, first of all, one thing you forgot to factor in there is that Zach Wilson's winning MVP this year. So I would recommend absolutely <laughs> taking Corey Davis as soon as you possibly can. Um, um, but no, um, I, you know, being from Michigan, uh, the, the hype around the Lions is sky high this year. Um, DeAndre Swift, obviously he's had injuries. Um, and you know, he's, he's kind of more of a, he's more of a good, you know, PPR back. Um, he's, he's, uh, very swift, no pun intended. Um, gets the um, can catch some passes. He's less of a power runner, um, but no. So I mean, where they're currently being drafted, I have no problem taking either one of them. Um, you know, and you don't you don't want to reach for them um, necessarily, but you know, getting getting them as like you said, um, low end RB ones. If you have maybe a wide receiver one in front of them, a good wide receiver one or um, RB twos, I think there's great value in that. And yeah, I mean you have to have enough confidence in Daniel Jones and Jared Goff to, to you know, get some decent fantasy points to their right. Actually, Cause that's all we need, right? They don't have to win games. They don't have to, uh, you know, make the playoffs or anything crazy. That, that That's all you relying on them for at the end of the day. I, I'm, I'm with you only on the point of, I think the lions and giants are going to be down a lot in games and Saquon and Deandre Swift do offer you some value in the passing game. I think that's that's really the only rule I might have is all right if they're a really good running back in a bad system they better have uh, they better have receptions to their name because <laughs> you got to get in fantasy that's all that's what we care about um, we most of us play in PPR leagues if if not PPR half point PPR leagues um, so that's where I'm looking at uh, I know we said we didn't want to talk about Najee Harris on this episode. <laughs> Um, but the Steelers have a lot of things stacked against them um, this year offensively and uh, the offensive line being one of them. And we saw how hard it was for last, last year for Najee to get yards on the ground, but he was valuable as a receiver. And so that's something that we may have to look at um, when drafting his, him this year as well. Um, so um, do you have anybody else that might be exceptions to my rule, at least, since you don't think it's a much of a rule for yourself? <laughs> um, well, sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mean, I think Kyle Pitts is a great draft if you can get him, even though the Falcons are probably going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. Um, he has Marcus Mariota as a quarterback. Um, I think he's uh, still a great draft um, for your, if you're going tight end early. Yeah. You have uh, the old, uh, Brandon Cooks out there, who's been a, a really solid fantasy player for his entire career, has Davis Mills as a quarterback. Um, and res- in response to your Allen Robinson point, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think his struggles are more him being a bad football player <laughs> um, than they are uh, really? quarterbacks. I think, yeah, like everyone's like, everyone acts surprised when he, you know, doesn't do well. Maybe he's just not that good. Um, I think he has an attitude issue. I don't think, I just, I don't think he's that great of a wide receiver. You know, maybe I'll be right. And he'll, he'll pop this year in uh, Los Angeles, but no, I, I don't think he's that great. I don't think it's Justin Fields fault that he struggled last year. I think it's, it's his own fault. Interesting. He, he, he turned in a two 1000 yard receivers receiving years with the bears in 2019 and 2020. And I, I think you're right. He was being drafted like he was going to do the same thing in 2021, and he completely underdelivered. Um, health oh, concerns. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but it was such a bad situation too. I mean, the no, just, yeah, he, I yeah. mean, maybe I might he might 
you know, go for another 1200 yard receiving year this year in LA and I will look like an idiot, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's going to happen because he's, he's not the number one receiver over there. In, in fact, you know, you, you could argue he's a split number two wide receiver, depending on how the Rams use their, their, uh, their weapons, but um, Cooper cup's going to be the, the workhorse as always. Um, okay. So let's move on to the, the next question. Oh, actually, since we're on the bears, Darnell Mooney slides into that number one slot um, for Allen Robinson. Darnell Mooney actually had a decent year last year. A lot of people are high on Darnell this year. Um, but does being the de facto number one receiver hinder his value? Um, or does it help him get more targets? Justin Fields in a second year. It's a new regime. So there's a lot of a lot at play. Where do you lie on Darnell Mooney? Yeah, so I like I like Darnell Mooney. I think he's a great uh, pick if you need depth um, for um, you know the wide receiver three, someone to fill in that flex spot. Um, I think he's a great uh, I think he's a great draft in that position. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't reach for him um, for uh, I think he's one of the low end you know wide receiver ones in the league in terms of teams. Um, I do think that um, the, the the Bears are going to be terrible this year. Um, now again. I don't care about bad systems, so I wouldn't let that, you know, uh, affect me too much. But um, I just – I think that there's just – it's like – just like the opposite of the line. I think there's just – there's an attitude of failure in Chicago right now. Roquan <laughs> Smith is demanding the trade. Um, you know, the uh, – no one's really happy with the direction the team is is going in. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that, um, you know, I think he's he's a fine value draft, but I would be careful about relying on him. Yeah, maybe a wide receiver two option in that case. Um, I want to point this out to you, though. Now he's going to have a full year with Justin Fields as his quarterback. Do you know how many targets Darnell Mooney had last year? Just off the top of your head, give me a number. I, I don't know. Um, 100? So 100 would be maybe realistic, but he had 140 targets last wow. year. And do you know how many Jamar Chase had? How many? 128. Oh. Now, obviously, Jamar Chase was a lot more efficient with his targets. They had the same number of receptions. Um, to me, that's a really good, really good sign if I'm drafting for volume. Um, so uh, I like the upside with Darnell Mooney, but you are right. And uh, there is an attitude of failure in Chicago uh, and it, wouldn't be a bad idea to stray away from any Chicago bears. Uh, <laughs> I think they're going to struggle mightily this year. Um, I, I think fields has a lot of pressure on him to, and I think he's unfortunately set up for failure. David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, they're all going to have their, their backs up against the wall. Uh, Cole Komet, even your buddy Cole Komet. I know you like him. <laughs> uh, so, Okay. Moving on, there are a lot of receivers that changed teams this year. And so yes. uh, A.J. Brown being one of the biggest trades, the Eagles paid him a bunch of money to, to, say, to stay on the team, uh, big extension. Uh, A.J. Brown's being drafted uh, late second round, early third round, depending on your league. Uh, he's being drafted as maybe the wide receiver 10-ish uh if you're you know salary style he's probably somewhere 10th in terms of pay uh so 
AJ Brown, uh, a guy who is also pretty efficient, but his highest career year was what 1,075 yards, and here he is uh, in a similar system, in my opinion. Uh, Jalen Hurts and Ryan Tannehill um, are not particularly elite passers. Um, you know, they're they're decent football teams if you go back to last year, but. Uh, talk to me a little bit about an AJ Brown. Uh, talk to me a little bit about a Marquise Brown, who also switched teams, and Tyreek Hill being in that conversation. Uh, do you see a lot of these guys as kind of being the same as they were last year, or any progression regression? Um, well, I want to I want to set Tyreek Hill aside for a second. I'll come back to him. But speaking more generally, with you know Julio Jones, AJ Brown, Marquise Brown, um, in general, uh, yeah. I think that they will, it's not going to be a detriment. I think AJ Brown's going to do his AJ Brown thing. Um, he's going to probably be wide receiver one in Philly. Um, and um, I do disagree that it's basically the same thing as Tannehill, but that's beside the point. Um, and I think, um, I think Julio actually has a spot to slide in in Tampa and make a difference. I think Marquise Brown is probably going to be wide receiver one, especially with DeAndre Hopkins' off field issues. If he's suspended for, you know, half the year or whatever it might be. Um, I think that um, there's a lot of value on those those guys that are in new systems. Um, however, Tyreek Hill is tough just because, um, you know, regardless of what you think about Tua, he's objectively worse than Patrick Mahomes. Um, so he's just like there is a little bit more of a step down for him just because he was had, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the most high volume passing offenses in the league, one of the greatest offensive coaches in the league. All of those things are gone now. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't be terrified of drafting Tyreek Hill. I think he's, he's still fine to have on your team, still fine to have as a wide receiver one um, later on. But um, I do think that he will not be the Tyreek Hill that we are used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's impossible, right? I mean, he's just. Um, there are some, there are some two and nine believers out there who had a, you know, he could, uh, he could really take the next step as a quarterback this year. Tyreek Hill had an insane 159 targets last year. That was the highest of his career uh, by a large margin. So I don't think there's there's any reason for him to repeat that. I, I definitely think there's going to be some regression there. Um, Tua's not going to be able to sling the ball down the field like uh, Mahomes was able to last last time or last for the what. And Mahomes' entire career, Tyreek Hill's almost entire career. Uh, so that is something to look at. Uh, Marquise Brown, like you said, uh, <sighs> number one receiver in Arizona, but DeAndre Hopkins is going to be back after six games. So uh, I don't know if, if Brown is being drafted, maybe a hair too high, I think. Um, you know, he's got a lot of speed. I mean, that's so, I mean, like what, what, what I'm hearing is uh, you will, you would not be paying, you know, uh, 20 bucks for any of these guys or 15 bucks for any of these guys. Maybe you don't want to reveal that, but. Well, I mean, if Tyreek Hill goes for 20 bucks, I mean, I'm taking that. I, I mean, his, okay. okay. You know, it's just, it's just, if, if I'm, I have a lot of moral objections to some of these players and that that's where I get into trouble with fantasy is <laughs> like, and I'm not afraid to say it. I will not be drafting Deshaun Watson. I will not be drafting Alvin Kamara. I will not be drafting Marquise Brown. 
Um, I will probably not be drafting Joe Mixon. I just, I have a lot of moral objections to these Tyreek Hills in that conversation. Um, and so what? <laughs> that's, you know, we can't forget about these things that they've done. And I just, I have a hard time rostering that on my team. And maybe that's my weakness as a, as a fantasy football player. So maybe yeah. Okay. I would, it's fair to say that I am high on the, the new receivers and new systems, higher on the receivers and new okay. systems than you are. But you talk to me about Julio because this is a very different situation. I think he's, he's a lot older. He has a, a more checkered injury history. He's not going to be the number one receiver in Tampa. Um, so why do you like Julio so much? Um, well, yeah, first of all, you're right. He, I mean, he probably won't be the number one receiver, but like everyone is dying in Tampa Bay. They lost their number one center. Chris Godwin probably won't be ready for week one. Tom Brady's not showing up to camp for personal reasons. Um, Mike Evans has a questionable tag. Um, I mean, he looks fine, but um, like, I mean, just their, their roster is dying. <laughs> and so, I mean, there's a realistic scenario where Julio Jones is the number two target um, after Mike Evans. I think week, week one, he's the number two target. Um, I think that there's, um, there is more volume there than you think. Um, and that, um, you know, I think he still has some left in him. Um, obviously, you know, he is not, you don't want to rely on him, but if, you know, you're at the end of your draft, you're getting guys for two, three bucks, four bucks, whatever it is. Um, you absolutely take a flyer on Julio Jones. I mean, if he's that cheap, um, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but, you're basically telling me I should take the under on Tampa Bay then at 11 and a half wins. Um, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, you make it sound like it's an apocalypse in Tampa Bay. I, well, it is, it is an apocalypse <laughs> in Tampa Bay in terms of fantasy. I mean, this, I think that they'll be fine in terms of, I mean, they still have a great defense and everything. Like, um, I mean, they're going to be fine. I just, I do think, I do think it's an apocalypse. I mean, if you follow in the beat reporters, like all their training camp stuff is just injuries. No one, it's not like, oh man, this guy looked great today. It's nope, this guy left on a cart. Like, I mean, Here, here's what I will say. And uh, uh, Stefania Bell does a great job with ESPN with this stuff. Um, this is where I got a lot of her things. Uh, she basically brought up the point that Julio Jones and Chris Godwin sort of benefit from this situation in terms of they're both sort of being eased back into action. Uh, what does that mean? Chris Godwin tore his ACL last year and he's being removed from the PUP list um, or, you know, they're, they're, they're easing him back into practice. Um, the reason for the PUP list, if you go on there at the start of the season, you have to miss the first four games. Uh, and, I think what Tampa is doing is they're going to slowly sort of ease him back in while they manage Julio's reps. So Julio gets kind of eased back work. He doesn't get to get blown out in terms of his, his exhaustion and, and his rest recovery. So does Godwin. So they both get to be eased back into action. Um, and with that being said, I, I think they also cap each other's value in fantasy. So you know, we might not see a full-blown Chris Godwin until midway through the season. And even then, like, to expect him to put the amount of numbers he put up in the last few years is really, really risky. Um, and I'm going to start bringing up uh, some data 
with uh, ACL players. Um, now the data on running backs returning from an ACL injury in year one is pretty shoddy in comparison to year two. So yards per carry, all the elusiveness ratings all increase in year two. In fact, uh, running backs in year two after their ACL injury seem to be great, seem to be doing just fine, which is good news for Saquon Barkley fans. Um, I think you can apply the same sort of data to receivers. And I think it's just very unreasonable to expect uh, decent production from a guy who tore his ACL the following year, because you don't, it's not just the, the recovery piece. It's the, okay. Is it the psychological piece? It's there, there's so many things that, that add into uh, the knee being solid, uh, the, the shape, the, the skill, the cuts, the precision. So that's my kind of take on the Tampa Bay situation. Um, I think Julio, they're going to do the best they can to kind of manage his health, but uh, with that being said, it's you have to you have to cap him in, in terms of his value. Sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't disagree with that. Um, that, like I said, everyone they're they're all they're all in various stages of uh, recovery slash uh, uh, injury. So um, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But uh, yeah, so going back to running backs and just just to kind of get away from Tampa a little bit, uh, J.K. Dobbins the guy who being drafted kind of high and he falls into that category of ACL guys off his first, uh, first year back. Um, Gus Edwards is going to be shortly behind him in terms of his recovery timetable. Uh, those are guys I'm completely avoiding. Uh, if I'm, if I'm drafting, I just, I just don't like the outcome of, of what they they're going to produce fantasy wise. Um, even though the JK Dobbins is a huge playmaker when he's fully healthy. Um, another guy, uh, that uh, you might want to look at is James Robinson. Uh, James Robinson tore his Achilles. So this is, this is even worse than an ACL injury. Okay. Robinson tears his Achilles and Achilles takes, a, I don't know, maybe a few months longer, give or take the player than an ACL. James Robinson comes back. This is going to lead me to my next question for you, Fish. He's going videos of him running. You know, he looks good. He's got he's, he's oh James Robinson. He's going to be back. Like like they're expecting him to play this year. Oh shoot. You know what about Travis Etienne? You know he's coming back from an injury too. You know maybe I should still draft J James Robinson. Guys, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. James Robinson's coming off an Achilles injury. I can't say that enough. Uh, and. We haven't seen videos of him cutting. We haven't seen him in live action. There's it's, it's a much, much more rigorous recovery. Um, and with that being said, I kind of like the upside of Travis Etienne, uh, even though he's coming off an injury of his own and has his own biomechanical issues uh, in terms of fantasy. I, if I would try to stay away from James Robinson. Uh, you do what you want to do with Etienne, but uh, Robinson would be a guy I'd try to stray away from. My question to you, Fish, is how much do you care about training camp hype? Okay, we see so many videos of guys making stud plays, your Sky Moors, your, your, uh, your Trey Lances, uh, the, oh, so-and-so added 10 pounds of muscle. Uh, like, like, how much do you care about these reports? Um, honest answer is, um, I suppose, is, uh, you know, if it, uh, 
if it matches up with my priors, then I'm all in. If it doesn't, then I ignore it. I guess that's the honest answer. Like if I already have an opinion about someone and then like a training camp report like confirms it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's proof. It's impossible for it not to be true now. <laughs> and like other way around, you know, if I have an opinion and a training camp report disagrees with it, I'm like, oh, that's garbage. It's just training camp. You know, who knows? I think that's the honest answer is that's how I kind of interpret it. Um, because yeah, um, no, you, you have to, I think that's the proper way to interpret it too, is, you know, form your own opinions and then, uh, you know, see if, um, um, if, if there's a ton of evidence going against it, then you can, okay, maybe I need to take a step back. Or if there's a ton of evidence supporting it, then you can think, okay, yeah, maybe I was right with that. Um, so I wouldn't form your opinions based on training camp videos, but I would, I would form your opinions and then kind of use that training camp hype to kind of either confirm or deny depending, um, on, um, you know, what all the, the evidence, uh, suggests, but putting air quotes around the word evidence there. Yeah. See, I feel like if Eddie Lacey came out of retirement and dropped 50 pounds and shows up in the training camp, just looking like a beast this year, people would be like, Oh my gosh, I got to draft Eddie Lacey. And I'd be like, let's, let's hold our horses here. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and like, it depends on the the specificness of the rumor too. If, you know, it's just, if it's a video of a guy making a good catch and everyone says, Oh, he looks good. Okay. That's one thing. If it's a coach saying, you know, I'm going to use this guy a lot. This guy's going to get a lot of touches in my offense this year. Okay. Now that's something you should listen to. That's, right? that's like much more valuable. In my I opinion. mean, there's like, there's a difference. Not all training camp, you know, hype and training camp reports are equivalent. So with that being said, a guy who's making a ton of noise is Sky Moore in the chief's offense, uh, <laughs> speedy receiver out of Western Michigan. Right. So uh, tell me more about the Chiefs receiving issues. They got to fill the Tyreek void somehow. And you happen to be a big fan of Marquez Valdez Scantling. So uh, g- give me some info on that. Yeah. Well, I think, um, well, everyone's just saying Scantling is going to be a deep ball specialist. Um, but that's like, I mean, that's like having a home run specialist on the Yankees. Like, I mean, yeah, if you're a team that throws the ball deep, you will betting on a deep run specialist is a, is a good idea. Throws the ball deep, um, uh, deep pass specialist. I mean, um, so, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think in terms of actual NFL performance, the Chiefs are going to be fine. They aren't going to miss that Tyree kill that much because they have so many bodies that can fill in. But in terms of fantasy, I don't, I would not recommend necessarily taking a lot of Chiefs receivers just because there are so many um, that it's tough to know which one's going to be the one to kind of break out. Um, he might just, you know divide up the targets pretty evenly between Juju and Valdez and Sky Moore and Nicole Hardman and all these other names out there. Um, so that's my kind of analysis on the, on the chiefs. I have to imagine it's going to be Travis Kelsey's, you know, workload. And after Kelsey, uh, I don't think Juju just assumes the Tyree kill role. Like a lot of people are drafting him as uh, Juju's not really proven a lot. Uh, one out of the last three seasons has actually been serviceable in fantasy forum. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I think you're right. You have to sort of temper your expectations. Uh, I think things um, are going to, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone's drafting him to be the next Tyree kill. I mean, he's going in the early seventh rounds. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone's making that argument, but um, no, look, I mean, the chiefs are going to throw the ball a lot. So, I mean, there's, there's just, there's so many catches to go around, you know? I mean, that, that, that's the logic is that like with my Valdez scaling, look, you know, 
all it takes is, you know, one deep ball again. And suddenly he ends with, you know, uh, you know, four receptions, um, you know, and a hundred yards and a touchdown off of, you know, I, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's very easy for these guys in this offense to, to find value. Again, they're not going to dominate, you know, not going to be wide receiver ones, but they can, they can very much have their moments. I mean, yeah, but like, I could never start Marquez Valdez Scantley. I mean, you're right. He's going to, he's going to do that one, you know, a couple games a year, but like, even as a bi-week fill-in, I just, I mean, the guy averages three and a half touchdowns a year and he averages like 450 yards a year and only 30 catches. His efficiency ratings are super low in those deep balls, even though he's a deep ball threat. I mean, that was the same with Rodgers, who who was able to give him those looks. So I, I just don't see that changing, especially in his age 28 season. Yeah, <laughs> the fish is giving me the nod here. He's like, eh, okay, fair point. I won't say it, but it's a fair point. <laughs> um, okay, well, um, I guess last little tidbits here that are more general are uh, drafting guys on the same team. Is that a strategy that you are a proponent of? And what I mean by that is, do you hook up a quarterback and a receiver on the same team? A lot of people like to do that. I was a big fan of that back in the day, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Uh, uh, some people like to do that. Mahomes, Travis Kelsey is a popular one. Um, do you caution against that? Or is there any evidence against that? Um, um, yeah, I I try not to do it um, just because of part of it's just an aesthetic thing. I like to have, I like to kind of spread out my my, my guys kind of hedge my bets, so to speak. You don't want too much invested in, in one team being successful. Um, so I try to avoid it, but it's not the end of the world. Again, I'm, I'm, des- I'm drafting based on value. I'm, I'm buying based on value. Um, so if the value is there, then I, I won't necessarily avoid it. But in general, I, I try to avoid it. Um, it just, like I said, it just kind of makes me uncomfortable. I think the, the risk is higher than the reward. Um, you know, if you have Travis Kelsey, he's going to be good for you, regardless of if you have Patrick Mahomes as a QB and vice versa. Um, but, um, um, you know, if, if Mahomes is bad uh, or something, or, you know, Trey Lance is bad this year and you have him and Debo, then, um, yeah, I think that that opens up the, um, the, the just like I said, there's, there's more risk than reward. The evidence shows that uh, hooking up a quarterback and a receiver uh, actually doesn't really benefit or hurt you. Um That being said, most people who do that only really use good combos. Um, So if you, you know, it's going to be completely different if you go Jared Goff and DJ Shark. (laughs) That could be be much more of a disaster than Mahomes-Kelsey. I I look at it, like you said, like a bye week situation. You're not necessarily drafting for that. Uh, You're... you, You don't really care that much. You're just going for value and picks, and if it happens, it happens, but... um. I think for me, I, I don't, I don't care about the defense being on the same team. Uh, and, and I, you know what, all right. If I get Justin Herbert and Mike Williams, fine. Like I, I, I'm going to be able to live with that. I just, I think for me, it's more of, all right, do I take Elijah Mitchell and George Kittle? Uh, that, that might be a tougher one for me because then I'm solely relying on the Niners offense success. And, and that's, that's a little bit more risky for me. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with that. Um, you know, other non-QB positions going the same team, things get a little hairy um, just because, you know, your quarterback touches the ball every play and 
with those other guys, you know, you are, you're fighting for touches, which can uh, um, cause problems. So yeah, I would not recommend, definitely not recommend doing it with when you're pairing up receivers and running backs or, or something like that. All right. Well, getting more into specific players, uh, we, we've highlighted a few of them, but uh, one of the most interesting running back situations out there is the Seattle situation. Uh, you've got yourself a Rashad Penny or a Kenneth Walker third. My buddy out of Michigan State was an absolute menace last year in the Big Ten. Apparently his pro grades transfer really, re- really well into NFL offenses, though he's not much of a receiving back. So that's a knock. Both of them are in the Seattle offense. That's a knock as of right now uh, with their quarterback situation being so shoddy. So if given the choice and you're in the seventh or eighth round, which is about where these guys are being picked, give or take your league, uh, do you go Rashad Penny or Kenneth Walker? Yeah, I personally, I'd go Kenneth Walker just because of potential. Um, Like every year it feels like the guy who, uh, who wins their, his fantasy league is the guy who gets like the breakout um, that no one expected to really be good. Um, and Kenneth Walker has much more potential to be that than Rashad Penny does. I don't think Kenneth Walker is going to, you know, all of a sudden break out, but um, you know, with Rashad Penny at this point, I feel like you, you know what you're going to get. And like I said, Walker has that potential to, you know, be the guy that no one expected. Um, and all of a sudden he takes over the starting role and is, you know, uh, maybe even startable for you. Um, like, um, I think there's just a lot more potential there um, with, with the young, the young guy um, than there is with uh, Rashad Penny. Um, So I would go with Kenneth Walker and just, you know, of course you have to be prepared for him to, you know, not get many snaps and, and and kind of bust, but I'll take that, that high risk, high reward uh, draft pick over Rashad Penny. Uh, I'm biased. So I I really can't answer this question. Uh, (laughs) What I will say is, Rashad Penny was unreal down the stretch last year. And if you had him on your team, he might've won you a fantasy championship. Um, So it it was good to see him when he was actually fully being used. However, he's been healthy. I think like barely half of his NFL games. Uh, And so that's something that, you know, is going to pop up somewhere. And in that sense, I'd probably rather have Kenneth Walker, even though both of their potential is capped this year, I think, just being in that offense. Yeah. Um, I mean, and Kenneth Walker's going a little high. I mean, on ESPN, they currently have, uh, you know, Rashad Penny is running back 33 and Kenneth Walker is running back 37. Um, so, I mean, I mean, that's a little, uh, <laughs> they're kind of sucking some value out of, out of Walker with that ranking, but um <laughs> Um, if you can get them down low, um, lower than that, then I think you can um, uh, definitely go for it. We talked a little bit about the Miami uh, offense, but we didn't really mention the running backs. Uh, they have like four running backs between Sony Michelle, Raheem Mostert, who was with Mike Daniel. Uh, we've got uh, Miles Gaskin, who was, you, if you will, the incumbent. And then they paid Chase Edmonds about two years, $12 million contract uh, just by money is Edmonds the guy that you're drafting there? And maybe you don't want any of them. I'm, I've been a believer that I just want to stay away from committees, but let's just say you're going zero RB strategy and you're sitting on running backs. I'm going to find a guy late. Who do you take in like the eighth round? If you're going for a, a Miami guy, or if not, uh, who do you take as a zero running back? Yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, I, my, my advice would be do not take any of them. Um, just for those reasons that you said, um, 
No, but I I would definitely say Mostler is the best option of those. Um, hmm. Okay. You know, even as you know the RB one last year, Gaskin didn't do much. Um, I just I don't think he's super valuable as a as a athlete as a player, regardless of of role and system. Um, so that is who I would go with there. And yeah, um, Chase Edmonds um, is is the second best option, but. Um, I wouldn't read too much into that, that contract. Um, honestly, um, I mean, they were, they getting, so they have great depth. That's what they wanted. Some value. Um, it's not like they, they paid him, you know, I don't think they're expecting him to be a leader in the offense necessarily. So I wouldn't read too much into that. Okay. All right. Uh, before I kind of move into other questions, do you have anything for me, um, in, in some of your research? Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, your tight end, your tight end philosophy, because your tight end philosophy is kind of, I I've seen it. Uh, I feel like, you know, when I first started talking to you, you were like, you should never draft a tight end, you know, stream tight ends there. You can always find weight value. And then the more, as the weeks go on, you've kind of been like, well, if Kittle's cheap, I'll take him. And well, you know, if it works out, I'll take this, I'll take Andrews early. Um, I feel like you're, Positions kind of involved. So, talk to me a little bit about your relationship with the tight end position. That's fair. Yeah, historically speaking, I have never jumped on a tight end. I've just never been about taking an elite tight end in the first round, even the second round. So, that's going back to the Gronkowski years. Uh, so many years he was drafted as the number one. Kelsey's that guy now. Uh, you know, there was a handful of good ones over the years, but uh, I just. One, I don't have the balls to do it. <laughs> I need to. I need to secure my running back to in that. If I'm in the late first round, for example, uh, but even if I'm in a salary cap, I, I just don't feel comfortable drafting a Travis Kelsey, paying him like an RB one or a wide receiver one. I, even though he produces wide receiver one numbers, uh, now this year he's going a little bit. He's he's uh, he's another year older. Uh, he's actually as old as Gronk. Uh, so. To to expect him to continue to produce 1,000 plus yard seasons, especially without Tyree Kill to spread the offense, uh, I'm questioning that. Uh, now, Mark Andrews has risen. Uh, he is a guy who was kind of a decently graded last year, uh, but now he is officially a top tier tight end, and uh, he's a guy that some people are taking in the third round. If he's sitting there in the third round and you've already taken your running backs, and you don't like any of the receivers there, I think Andrews is a fine pick um, I, because he's going to – I mean, he was, an, he was an absolute beast last year, and it didn't matter who was quarterback. Tyler Huntley, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, to, to, uh, was it Josh Johnson? I mean, the, they he was quarterback proof. And so for a guy who – almost is guaranteed 1,200, 1,300 yards and who knows how many touch. I mean, they don't have any other receivers. You know, a lot of people are on Rashad Bateman as, as being the guy to take the jump, but I haven't seen it yet. You got to prove me first. So Mark Andrews as the third round pick is an excellent pick. Um, if you're in a, a salary cap league and, you know, he's going for 30, 40 bucks, you know, it might be worth it because, you know, wide receiver ones are going for 55 maybe 60, depending on who your guy is. And Andrews is not that far behind. So it might be worth it. Uh, with that being said, uh, I've always been a guy to take the, the guys late. I've always, my strategy historically was, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to let the top three guys go. 
and all the rest of them are the same to me between four and 12 or four and 16, or I'll just stream one. I've always been successful streaming one, uh, whether that's Mike Jasicki, whether it's Dalton Schultz last year, and now Schultz is being valued as a top six tight end. Um, I, I always happen to find a guy and he always seems to fill the role for me. So I, I kind of rely on my abilities there. I'm looking at the list right now. You have your top 10 tight ends of Kelsey Andrews, Kyle Pitts, and, and you could say maybe George Kittle and Darren Waller. Dalton Schultz has kind of crept in there. Uh, but then after that, it's Dallas Goddard, uh, TJ Hawkinson. There's the Dawson Knox. There's the Zach Ertz. There's your guy, Hunter Henry, who you've been a big proponent of. He seems to be there in every draft that you've, you've, you've had uh, late in the rounds. A lot of people like Henry this year as a guy to kind of be, be more involved uh, than he was last year. So I mean, I look at I look at Cole Komet, Pat Fryermuth, Mike Jasicki, Irv Smith as you know returning from injury. I mean, these are guys. Noah Fant, you know, I know he's in Seattle. Robert Tanya is supposed to come back. I mean, t- these are guys that you can you can get something out of. Um, so, in this year's draft, I will probably say this: say if you're not if you haven't been able to take advantage of that that very specific instance of like the Mark Andrews in the third round you could maybe argue Kyle Pitts but i told you about Kyle Pitts before i just i need to see some consistency here um, especially in a bad offense i need to see some consistency and there's no upside with him you know he's being drafted as a guy who's supposed to give a lot of production for you um, whereas i know Mark Andrews is a more sure bet so um if I'm being realistic with myself, I'm probably going to try to snag one of the Goddard's or the Hawkinson's or the Zachert's and just kind of hope I get some late value. Cause I just, I just, I need my depth. I need running back receiver depth. I'm, I'm too afraid of having running backs go down. And I just, I, I gotta get strength in numbers. If I draft five good running backs, two of them have to be good. So. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I appreciate you being honest and, and open with kind of, like I said, your relationship with that that position. So, Yeah, so I think Mark Andrews is my exception of the rule if in this year. And if I, I'm not saying I'll draft him. I'm just saying he might be worth it in my strategy. Um, and then if if not, just sit sit on a guy. Uh, and and your, uh, your opinion, uh, you really like Matt Ryan and the Colts offense. I uh, does Michael Pittman get a big upgrade this year? Yeah, I, I think the Colts are going to be good this year. I think they're going to win the, the South. I think Matt Ryan's going to lead them to a good place. Um, yeah, so I do think I think it's a. Um, I think he's you know I'm not sure how much it'll relate to fantasy necessarily, um, but um, yeah, I think he'll be the wide receiver one in a great offense. Um, that's all you can ask for, um, and and fantasy value um so yeah i would absolutely think i think mike Pittman gets a jump i've heard um you know alec pierce i've heard good things about him um even um heinz who is um the backup to jonathan taylor um i've heard that he's been getting a lot of action getting catching some passes they've doing sets with jonathan taylor and heinz both on the field at the same time um i just i've hearing a lot of good things i'm hearing that there's a ton of value not only in Pittman but in the colts generally um, so I think that if you need someone to draft and you're looking um, and you see some Colts out there, I would absolutely, um, you know, I would absolutely take them. I think their offense is going to be potent. I think they're going to have a lot of guys be, be relevant this year. Hmm. 
Yeah, maybe uh, Mo Ali Cox is one of those tight ends, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mo Ali Cox, absolutely. I think I think a flyer on Big Mo. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, some other random players that I have not historically been high on, but seem to be gathering a lot of preseason rankings hype. Gabe Davis out of Buffalo. Um, he, now that Emmanuel Sanders is gone, looks to be a for sure number two receiver. And James Conner, now that Chase Edmonds is out of Arizona, uh, he had a lot of goal line last goal line work last year, but now they're saying he might be a receiver out of the backfield too. So do you have anything on those guys? Um, I'm actually going to sell both of those. If this is buy or sell, I kind of around the horn. I'm going to sell both of those. Um, okay. Honestly. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, James Conner, um, just even if his work rate increases and like his, his PPR touches increase, I mean, he scored so many touchdowns last year that I mean, like the guy has to regress. He just has to. Um, so I, I would stay away from James Conner. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if he's really as good as his, his results have, have shown recently. Um, so I would, I'd stay away from him. And as for the number two receiver in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, you're right. That Gabe Davis is definitely kind of, He's being drafted in that role. Um, but again, I don't know that I, I don't know that I buy it. <laughs> I really don't. Um, I'm not sure that I, that he's shown me enough yet to, to make him you know, fantasy relevant. Um, so I'm actually going to sell both of those. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to give you a little game here called love, hate, or trade. And I'm going to give you three guys and you're going to tell me who you love, who you hate, and who you trade. Uh, so uh, we're going to go receivers and I'm going to give you the three guys, Keenan Allen, Devonte Smith, Cortland Sutton, love, hate, trade. Interesting. I'm going to love Cortland Sutton. Um, especially with where he's being drafted, he's being drafted, you know, early fifth round, late fourth round. Um, and, um, salary cap, you know, he's, um, one of the cheaper ones. Um, and he has the potential to be a wide receiver one in a Russell Wilson coach or Russell Wilson coach, Russell Wilson quarterback team. Um, that's great value. Um, you, you absolutely love, love Cortland Sutton this year, potentially as a wide receiver one for your team. Um, I'm going to trade Keenan Allen, um, as good as he is and has how dominant he's been, especially in PPR where he just gets so many catches, um, um, you know, the, he's, he's getting old. There's, you know, Mike Williams, who's the young, the young gun that everyone's excited about there. Um, just, uh, I, I'm going to try to trade in, uh, Keenan Allen while I can, kind of while he's high. And I think he's going to kind of come down a little bit. And then my, my hate, that was Devante Smith. Um, just, you know, the same concerns that people have when he got drafted about his body, that he's just, he's small, he's super quick, great hands, but he's small. Um, they have AJ Brown there now. Um, they're not a super big air it out team anyway. Uh, I think there's Devonte Smith is is going to be my my heat out of these three. Okay, uh, that's fair. I, I'll agree with you there. I'm going to give you a little bit tougher one now. Next up on love, hate, and trade, we have Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, and Brandon Cooks, three number one receivers. In bad teams, in bad systems. Who do you love? Who do you hate? Who do you trade? I'm going to love Terry McLaurin here. Um, I think he's the best value out of those guys. Um, 
Carson Wentz is not a very good quarterback, but he is better than Davis Mills and he is better than, um, Drew Locke. Um, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Drew Locke. Um, so yeah, I, and I think Terry McLaurin's uh, a good player, a really good player. So I'm going to take him as my love as my trade. I'm going to take, um, Brandon cooks. Um, again, I've, I have a soft spot for him. He always kind of finds a way to have solid years, no matter what the situation is that he's in. Not exceptional, but solid, whereas I think Terry McLaurin could truly be exceptional this year. Um, and that leaves me hating DK Metcalf. Um, yeah, I, you know, he got his payday. I could see him just kind of sh- shipping it this year um, and just being like collecting his checks and living his life and not really caring about his stats. You know, the Seahawks are in the tank anyway. Um, he's, you know, I could see him. I question his effort um, output this year. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to hate DK Metcalf there. Hmm. Fascinating. Okay. Um, can I give one uh, for you? Please do. All right. I'm going to switch over to the running back side of things. Um, love, hate, trade. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, Javante Williams, and Leonard Fournette. Mm, okay, good one. I think a lot of people are with me on this, but I'm hating Zeke Elliott. Uh, I feel like he's going to be the actually undervalued this year because of how inefficient he was last year, how much the type the hype is around Tony Pollard, and how much people are kind of sick of Zeke's antics. And so whether that's injury, whether that's off the field, whether that's just production in general. Uh, so I'm, I'm hating Zeke. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he might be valuable in the third or fourth round, I'm not, but, but I'm, I'm still hating him. Uh, okay. And then I'm going to trade Javante Williams. Uh, he's a guy that so many people are high on uh, that. Look at what he showed last year, the elusiveness, the, the catching, the receiving. Uh, but the reality of the matter is Melvin Gordon is still in town. And I know Gordon's getting older, and I know that Javante might have an increased role as Gordon's – they clearly want to fizzle him out. But they did pay him to come back. And uh, I, I think Melvin Gordon is still going to cut into those carries, at least early on in the season. So I think I'll be able to find a trading partner for Javante Williams. Uh, somebody will take the hype on him. And then that leaves me with the love of Leonard Fournette. Not a guy I've traditionally loved. Um, There isn't a ton of upside this year because of how good he was last year. Um, But I'm very comfortable taking him as an RB2. Very comfortable with that. Um, Assuming I got my RB1 in the first round, uh, I I would be very content Fournette at the second running back. He's going to get usage as a receiver, as a runner. Uh, There's no more Ronald Jones there. Uh, so I, I would prefer uh, Leonard Fournette out of the three. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, I'd think that's, uh, those are all, um, some, uh, pretty good answers. You got one more running back one for me. Yeah. I'll give you another running back one. All right. I got, uh, Miles Sanders, hmm. Clyde Edwards, Zellaire, or <laughs> Clyde Edwards, Heller, and, um, Austin Dillon. Ooh. Okay. All right. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, this might be biased, but I am hating Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, I had him in a league last year. 
And I really did not like him at all. Um, he was very inefficient. Even though he was the de facto number one, you couldn't rely on him any week. He got hurt at the end of the year. I don't see much changing for him this year. And I, there's still Jarek McKinnon. They actually got Ronald Jones. So I, I don't think Hilaire has a clear path as the number one running back in Kansas City. So I'm hating Hilaire. Uh, I hope, I hope I can find a trading partner for Miles Sanders. Um, he's still the number one running back. And he's probably going to get a decent amount of work. Um, I, I think – you know, he was a very serviceable guy last year, especially when he's on the field. Uh, but, you know, injury concerns. He doesn't give a lot of value as a pass catcher. Uh, Boston Scott's uh, or um, uh, Kenneth Gainwell are still in the reins. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to take a lot of those carries. There's a lot of mouths to feed over there. And I think Gainwell is a better receiver out of the backfield. So Miles Sanders' value is going to be at the goal line. Uh, so, I have to trade Sanders. And even though AJ Dillon has the least path to maybe get touches out of those three guys, uh, he still produced really well as the backup to Aaron Jones last year. Um, I think Jones getting a little bit older, put paves the way a little bit for AJ Dillon. Uh, and even then AJ Dillon had like 800 yards rushing last year. He's a competent receiver. He's also a tank. Uh, so <laughs> I think AJ Dillon, for where he's being drafted provides good value. So I'm going to love AJ Dillon on that. Do you want to do one quarterback just for our, our listeners out there? Or I'll, I'll give you one. You can give me one. All right. I will give you um, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott. Okay. Okay. That's uh, so more of the elite side of things. I am going to love Dak Prescott. Um, I think Dak is a very serviceable quarterback. Uh, some people have him ranked 10th on their lists. So that's a lot of value for me. Uh, and I know quarterback's pretty deep this year, but I th pretty much a lock for 4,000 yards. Uh, he's a half decent runner. I think he'll run a little bit more this year coming off that injury. And, um, you know, doesn't have Mari Cooper anymore, but CD Lamb will do just fine. Dalton Schultz will be just fine. They're going to throw the ball. Mike McCarthy passes a lot. So I really like Dak Prescott as a sure bet this year. I think Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are, are not as sure bets. A lot of people do like Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, he provides an insane amount of rushing ability, which is his big draw. And some people still believe in him as a passer. Um, but if you listen to our NFL preview podcast, uh, I, his, he, there's just been some regression and I just can't rely on that. I, I drafted him in 2020 after his MVP year and he was abysmal um, and he wasn't really any better last year. And then he got hurt. So um, I am going to hopefully find, a, I'm going to say hate for Lamar and then hopefully find a training partner for Kyler Murray. And I know contract isn't everything, but I, I hope that somebody believes that, hey, they're paying him so much money. That means he's going to be good. He's going to get a lot of throws. He's going to run the ball a lot. Uh, and they'll want to trade for Kyler Murray. Uh, but he does have some value. I just, without Hopkins for six games, without Christian Kirk, without Chase Edmonds, um, I got to trade Kyler Murray. Sure. Okay. So for you... I'll go on more of the, the second tier quarterback thing there, 
sorry, I guess third tier, depending on how you look at it. Let's go with Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, and Kirk Cousins. Oof. I'm actually going to love Kirk Cousins in that spot. Wow. Um, I think that the Vikings are winning the Super Bowl this year. Um, I think that, no, I mean, they have a new offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, who I really like. Um, they have uh, great weapons around him. Um, I think they're going to throw the ball more than they have in the past um, and draft good, you know, plays for him to excel, to, for him to get easy, you know, 10, 12-yard completions like clockwork. Um, I think that um, he's going he's gonna to take that leap into that, that second tier um, this year. I'm going to trade Aaron Rodgers. Um, obviously, he's Aaron Rodgers, so, I mean, he's going to be great. But the lack of weapons um, um, are a concern, um, and I think that the Packers are going to be a little down this year. I think that all his stupid pagan witch crap is <laughs> not going to be the, uh, the, the advantage that he seems to think, and I think that um, – He's better off better off trading him. I know I could find a trade partner because, like I said, he's still Aaron Rodgers. That leaves me hating Derek Carr. Um, I'm not as big on a Devontae Adams trade as a lot of people are. A lot of people are thinking this is, you know, the, what the Raiders needed. Um, now they're in the head end of the promised land. Um, I'm not not so much a, a believer. Um, I think that. Um, they uh, a lot of their problems um, were deeper than not a lack of a deep threat receiver. Um, and so um, I, I am going to end up hating uh, Derek Carr, uh, much to the uh, much much. I hate to disappoint the uh, all the Raiders fans and the Joe Randoms, but um, that's going to be my choices for that one. Oh man, yeah, tough to hear that one for for sure. Uh, all right, well, I think that's that's pretty good. I you know coming up on our time here, um, I feel like we touched on a decent amount of guys um, in terms of individuals. So hopefully. We gave people something to munch on uh, between strategies and certain players, but hopefully we didn't give too much away either. Um, do you have any last comments or anything else you want to add to the, this episode? No, uh, that was great. Thanks for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. Well, we, we uh, surely appreciate you. Uh, Fantasy with Fish. We're going to have to make this a thing uh, as we go throughout the season. And and you can be our uh, our objective uh, nonpartisan uh, guy in the leagues of, of you know the sure. the smack you'll, talk for real. <laughs> you'll have to bring me in. I can I can give you maybe a, a draft review of who I think is uh, the winners and losers. I think the the draft review would be good because I know I'm always biased when I do it. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, we'd love to have your insight. Again, thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next time.